RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Tuesday morning is Tech Tuesday here at Reality Check Radio. Stephen Sykes is with me from, I thought you'd be in Kit today. Oh, Kit's going, he's hanging out with his mates, so. Okay, what, electric cars? (laughs) Uh, All cars, so long as they've got a minimum of eight cylinders. Okay, they're not all networked. Like uh, uh, by Bluetooth or anything like that. Kit's a bit before that era, right? Oh, yeah, but, but Kit's been connected since 1982. Okay. I used to say when I old, owned my old Holden that having a cell phone and, you know, traveling with me had upgraded the Holden to a modern communication center. Mm, with yeah. wheels. <laughs> with wheels, yeah, and, and straight sticks. Okay, so... I think last time we talked, you said you were going to go to that innovation get-together in Christchurch. So I'm really interested to hear what happened there and what you saw and your thoughts. First of all, though, quite often people like to get in touch. Do we have any incoming texts or emails that we should mention first? Just a couple. Um, Somebody has said that they have never used or will use QR codes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and somebody else has asked um, a very good question: um, Is Tor connected to the dark web? Yes, it does run on the dark on the dark web, but don't um, let that sway your thinking into believing that Tor is a bad thing, because originally Tor was created for um, good purposes, whereby whistleblowers and journalists could communicate securely um, with each other, um, and was. And instigated by the U.S. Navy, that's that's who the backer was for funding its development. Well, didn't the new U.S. Navy actually start the internet? I think they did. I don't know. If it was the Navy per se? Uh, but yes, that being involved. But I mean, in the beginning, it was, it was a military typ- thing, anyway. Yeah, it was typically um, military. Um, Research institutes and universities were the first people to sort of get on board uh, yeah. with that. Now, this dark web thing, uh, we hear about it a lot. And I'm just trying to sort of visualize what this this is. Is this some kind of, you know, uh, hidden away below the line in some bunker somewhere, um, you know, server farm or? or, in, or sim- the- in simple terms, you've got basically three layers of the web. You've got the web. So the web is what you see when you go to any website and what you see in your web browser. Then you've got the deep web. Oh, okay. So the deep web are computer systems that you don't directly connect to. So like you go to um, everyone's favorite website, realitycheck.radio, and what you see there in your web browser is the web. Now in the background, that website will be doing things like pulling information out of databases. And, and things like that, oh, okay. and, and, right. and content managers. So those are back-end systems that are delivering all the data up, but you are not directly um, interacting with them. Gotcha. So that's the deep web. That's the deep web. Now, the dark web is um, a completely different kettle of fish, um, and there are tools such as Tor and Session which run on top of them, which, um, I mean, yes, certain things can be de-anonymized. That's a bit of a long word to say quickly. Um, but the the intent was for people to be able to communicate securely and anonymously for good purposes. But, hey, and I've said it before, you can take good things and do bad things with them. Mm. 
I mean, you can use you can use a knife to spread spread avocado on your toast, or you can use it to cause someone harm. Hijack yeah. a plane. You can hijack a plane. I mean, you could use a horse to. Uh, uh, no, this will be an interesting rob, one. <laughs> to, to to rob gold off a off a train, off a moving oh, right. train, yeah. like they do in the in the Wild West. Yeah. Or, or or you can use it as a motor transport. The modern day version of that would be to rob one of the suburban rail um, units in Wellington. Uh, you know, as they're heading up to Paraparaumu, something like that. Well, hey, actually, who are those guys on the horse? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, certain things like that do happen in the states. I've seen video footage where trains with freight on them as they're moving slowly through the city, people will board them and uh, raid them. A pilfer. And, yeah, do the pilfering thing. Yeah, and, and there's FedEx packages lying around everywhere. The only tr- the only time I, as a kid, as a young teenager, that I got into trouble for stealing with the law, okay, mm-hmm. youth aid it was, was out of a railway wagon. Right. And there was a, a sort of like a yard not too far away from where we lived. And, um, you know, New Zealand Rail would park there. And they're the old school sort of um, carriages, you know, um, uh, freight carriages, but the old school ones. Yep. Anyway, so we we were just poking around and, and one of the doors was like unlocked. So we peeled it back and it was full of Griffin's assorted biscuits. <laughs> Mother load. Oh, a whole, like, <laughs> hundreds of metal boxes. You know, the ones they come in. Yes. And... Come on, man. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Go home you... on a sugar high. <laughs> oh, well, actually, we actually, a mate of mine lived nearby, had a trolley, you know, because we used to get into trolleys. So we came and we filled it up. Um, and we hardly make a de- made a dent in it, really, because it had a, it was just loaded. You know, it was huge and tons and tons. Anyway, we're wheeling it home, and sure enough, local cop goes by, keeps on driving, obviously thinks, hmm, something's not right about this, backs it up. And, um, you know, we had to take the little tarp off the top of the trolley and there were all these biscuits. Like, <laughs> where did you get those? There was no point in lying because, you, I mean, you don't go down the shop and get them. Like, oh, we just found them. So uh, I think it wasn't me, but my mate said, look, okay, yeah, you know, fair cop. I think we were about 14 or something. Yeah. And uh, and he thought it was quite amusing, actually. But we had to take them all back. And, of course, our parents were advised told Mm -hmm. and we got a stern talking to don't do that again and the cop actually came around but that was funny that was funny uh what they missed though on that is in another box that we had which you didn't look at was a whole lot of computer parts from a scrapyard that was next door as well i had an electronics uh mate and he used to get all these switches and everything and make kind of little little audio mixes and things like that so they never got those they never got those they were um, the the, um, the biscuits were a misdirection for the cop. Anyway, just saying. Just saying. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, yeah, well, I've, I know about pilfering railway wagons. Mm-hmm. Haven't done it and, since, though. And you can fit minis in them, too, I hear. Minis, yes. Is, is that goodbye pork pie? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, they drive into one, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Anyway, you I've, that brought back a memory. Okay, so uh, where were we at? Uh, well, I think we're going to get into some news. Um, oh, of course, the news. So um, I went to Mitre 10 and uh, bought some incandescent light bulbs. And the I old, asked the old type, the old type, the non LED type. And I yep. said, um, Oh, how long are you going to have these for? Because I actually found on a different shelf some 100 watt ones. And um, 
she told me that they'd probably have them only for another two or three months and then they would stop selling them. So if you want Gee. some, um, better go and uh, buy some stock. stock, get a whole <laughs> bunch. Go and buy some. Um, don't put it off. So they'd be um, they'd be winding that up because really just the demand has crashed, right? Well, everyone's buying LED bulbs. Yeah. If no, if everyone stopped buying them and everyone started buying incandescent ones again, well, they'd have to they'd have to uh, you'd think uh, bow to customer demand. I far prefer the light that comes out of the incandescent bulbs Same. over the LEDs. I find it harsh and clinical LED lighting. Yeah, it is a bit like that. A bit like vinyl records compared to CDs. Mm. Okay, so is that a good on-ramp to you talking about LEDs? Because I think that was something you saw or had to think about at that innovation event that uh, you ended up going to. Yes, I learned a lot about LED lighting. Um, We'll get to that um, shortly, just a couple of other um, news things. Um, In France, they're looking at banning the iPhone 12 because the SAR rating or the specific absorption rating is considered above the uh, allowed standard. So they're telling Apple they need to sort this out by applying a software update uh, to the phones, which I guess would... um, cause the transmission levels to go down to um, within alleged safe and in inverted commas um, parameters. And effective. Yeah, um, but hey, they now just started selling the iPhone 15, so come on, update. No. Yeah, so does that is that a sort of like a bit of a pointless exercise then? How long do people hang on to their iPhones? Well, I suppose it depends. I mean, I know I, I have a friend whose company gets them a new one every year. Yeah, which yeah, I can yeah. I, I consider wasteful, and um, at some point in the future, we're going to talk about things relating um, a whole topic about encryption and how Apple are, um, shall we say, degrading the encryption on their phones just to suit the higher ups. But that's for another day. You mean the higher ups that aren't in Apple? I'm talking about governments. Yeah, I thought you were those oh. higher ups. Okay, so presumably the later model iPhones are less or emit less electromagnetic radiation than the 12. So far, they seem to be within spec because they're only talking about the 12. So, um, mm, okay, that's the one that's got, well, the funny thing was that the same day that, um, uh, France said that about the iPhone 12, Apple released the 15. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think the French, um, or the minister responsible for communications, said that this could become an EU-wide thing and snowball. So he's kind of, in a way, threatening them a bit. A bit, but at the same time, and this is another topic I want to get into for another day, is about the um, uh, EU Cyber Resilience Act and the implications that's not going to only have for the EU, but for the rest of us as well, yeah. but it, that's another hot topic for another day. Yeah, we'll be talking to uh, uh, an academic from Spain about that uh, before we're done this morning. All right, so um, that's France. What other stories are there around at the moment? Um, I had an opportunity to ask a Microsoft representative um, if they were using customer data to train their AI, and even though this was a question that he didn't see coming, I have to say that 
he did a very good job at answering. He said that, no, they don't. But at the same time, I didn't trust the answer because I didn't consider this person to be terribly authoritative on the topic at hand. Okay, so he, he answered, it's interesting what you're saying, he, 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 in a spontaneous, potentially stressful situation, he managed to answer the question. But could you tell that he was like searching or reaching for careful words as he was answering you? No, no. Um, I have to say that, you know, he was very articulate in the way he answered the question and even pointed me at um, a plethora of documentation I could read on Microsoft's website. But at the same time, I'm reminded of um, the Mozilla report where they had all those um, privacy experts and lawyers uh, reading through Microsoft's um, stuff and couldn't work out what was going on. So, yeah. He didn't know that you knew that. Well, I did. Well, he did actually, because oh. I that was part of the question I formed. Okay. All right. Well, as a comms exercise, he did okay. As as a comms exercise, I thought he did well. I just didn't. I just wasn't confident that uh, uh, his answer was necessarily representative as to what was actually going on. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. Does he only know so much? Is he siloed out, or it could be? It is could there be. a co- company line that always has to be um, taken? You're on a need to know basis, and this is what you need to know. So if anyone asks, this is what you tell them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, say it over to yourself uh, at least uh, fifty times, so you can. It becomes a memory item, please. Yeah, I want you muttering it to yourself as you're trying to go to sleep at um, at night. Because you're, you're going to get people like Stephen come along and out of uh, nowhere just lob it in. Yeah. Well, well, interestingly, it did spark off uh, an interesting conversation that followed because um, somebody then out uh, said, well, it would be really great to be definitive about this because we have to do work with people who are doing research where there's non-disclosure agreement signed. Good so point. Yep. So you could say, well, you know, if um, – Microsoft were using customer data to train their AI, and then somebody asks some random question of their system, and then it pops up with that NDA research, and the answer is like, hang on a minute. Busted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, because uh, you might have come up with some ingenious thinking, and if if AI's studied it or learned from it, it it can just spit it out any time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you made all the effort. Yeah, you, you get nothing for it. Okay, all right. So at least it got a conversation going. It did. It, it anything else in the news uh, on the news desk? Um, we might cover this perhaps another day, but uh, given the time we have for today, but um, Mozilla have also reviewed the um, privacy policies of cars of all modern of cars. cars. Oh, yep. crikey. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the modern car is is not a car with a computer. It's a computer with a car built into it. And yeah, so it's very clever, isn't it? Yeah, they've they've reviewed policies of twenty five car manufacturers, and they're all awful. So the mm. uh, the uh, takeaway from it is to do not connect your phone to your car, right? And, do not can do not install any app that relates to your car that allows you to talk to your car remotely. Ah, so that's where the uh, the where they get in. 
That's where they get in, and um, there's a lot to talk about. So I think perhaps that is a, 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 another big topic for another day because it's it's pretty nasty. Um, so don't connect to your car. Don't let your car. I mean, don't even talk to your car via your phone with Bluetooth because that can be enough for the um, the car to piggyback on the Bluetooth to then um, talk back to home company through your phone's mobile data. So the car is always kind of online, even if you don't realize that it is. If your phone's connected to it, if you give uh, it an, if you give it an ability to phone home, yeah, you, using your phone or something like it as a proxy. It can do that. You can imagine trying to tell somebody when the Model Ts were rolling off the line, one day, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just laugh you out of the room. One day, no. Okay, so be wary of that. That'll be every car potentially soon. Yep. The more, the well, now, not soon, oh, now. Yeah. Well, um, I, the, the vehicle fleet takes a bit of time to kind of roll over, but okay, they're, they're, they're now. I've got a 2000 Volvo v70 and um and i didn't realize it because i had to get um, some work done because one of the circuits in it and it's all it's 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 a data it's one of the early would you call it computerized or it's got a processor in it anyway that monitors all these parameters mm -hmm. and it was quite awkward to fix because a diode had gone in it as it turned out but i was surprised even back then of kind of how sophisticated it was and that was year 2000. Mm, yeah. I, I hadn't realized that it was like that, you know, that they're wired up in this way now. And that was a very early version of it. Yeah. No, the, um, as time goes on, you know, cars get more and more complicated and they have a lot more systems to manage and um, check out. There's no more crash starting it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right? Remember yeah. those days? It yeah, was yeah. so easy. Yeah. Chuck oh, it, dear. yeah. Chuck it in, chuck it in first. Um, push it yeah. along, let the clutch out, and drop the uh, clutch. Yeah, and off you go. Yeah, and you can have a, almost a dead flat battery, and you're probably still going to get going. Yeah, that, that sort of redundancy is quite impressive, actually. Mm. Isn't it? It is. Okay, those were the days. Those were the all, days. All right. Anything else newsy before we go on to the um, no, let's, innovation um, thing that you attended? What was all that about? Yeah, the Innovation Expo was really, really uh, cool. Um, so out of all the things that I um, observed, I want to start off with the creepy stuff um, oh, because okay. I because I want to end on a good note here. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's good storytelling. Yeah, well, you know. Get the bad news out of the way. Yeah, get that stuff out of the way. So um, out of the presentations that I went to, um, and, and they're also exhibitors as well, and I was talking to exhibitors and learning stuff. So um, there was one called Kogo. Now, Kogo offers a carbon, from their website, offers a carbon footprint management solutions that help individuals and businesses to measure, reduce. I'm starting and, to fall asleep already. Reduce and offset their impact on the climate. I thought it was just my natural sounding voice that makes you feel relaxed. No, no, sleep. it's the subject. It's how oh, here we go. Yeah, well, it, I'll tell you what, alarm bells went off in my head because I, I see surveillance going on with this. I see all kinds of terrible things, um, and you'll see this for yourself as we go along. So Kogo, they say, now work with 20 leading banks in 11 countries so far, 
um, and in Zero, you know, Zero the accounting software. Um, in Zero's marketplace, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand, and it's free to all end users. So for New Zealand um, banks, that is, um, I noted Kiwi Bank and Westpac um, were part of this. And there's also ING, the insurer, as well. well. Let me stop you just quickly. Yeah. Interesting. Kiwi Bank and Westpac. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kiwi Bank is owned by the New Zealand government. Yep. Substantially. And Westpac is the banker to the government. Yeah. So. Mm. But they list a whole bunch of other ones like NatWest, Suncorp, Commonwealth Bank, which is, that's Australian, I think. Yeah. There's Courts, yeah. uh, Santana, TSB, the Cumberland, Tandem. TSB, okay. Yeah, TSB, Royal Bank of Scotland, New Day, Ulster Bank, HSBC, um, Opt Bank, um, and soon to be announced is the Bank of China and the B- in the Bank of Montreal. Oh, okay. All right. Nothing, you know, so nothing terribly terrible sounding so far. But the whole point of this was to allow people to have access to measure their carbon footprint. So basically with with, with an app, um, this app they have, it allows you to evaluate your personal carbon manager is basically what it is. So on it, you can see, and I'm quoting here, See the size of your decarbonization opportunity. Find the next best action for you and be recognized for the reduction and recommend the next. So basically what this means is through their app, particularly hooking up with banks, when you are making purchases with a company, they see who you bought stuff with, not necessarily what you bought. And then they go, well, this company here is doing, in quotes, the right thing for the climate. So that will help nudge how you yes. where you go and spend your money with. And it's got all these fancy graphs and all this kind of stuff with it. Um, they're hoping to get, you know, other news other banks that operate in New Zealand online as well. Um, but I'm my brain's going, What? Yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah, it's a nudging thing, but also um it has the effect, I think as well as as generating a self-loathing because it will always show that you can never quite get there with, you know, um, the contribution you should be making or the lack of contribution. So you're always crimping. They're always persuading you to crimp something more. You end up sort of hating yourself, you know. I can just see that. Well, actually, um, you're not wrong at all because um, in the presentation – they had a big table um, where you could um, reduce your uh, climate impact. So for under the food and drink category, they suggested things like go meat-free Mondays. And uh, no, here we go, meat-free, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no red meat grocery shopping and or no red meat when you go and eat out um, or be 100% vegan. And then three other um columns in this table were um, under getting around. So that means work from home, commute by bike, um, sort of commute driving. Commute by bike. Here we go. Yeah. That's why there are bloody cycleways everywhere that cost hundreds of millions. Oh, yes. And then and then under the stuff I buy column, there's recycle your waste, repair your clothes, buy secondhand, repair your appliances, which is not that easy because um, I know that Consumer Guarantees Act states that when a – 
retailer has finished selling a particular model because the manufacturer has stopped, they must keep supplying spare parts for five years after it's yeah. being sold. But that doesn't mean to say that the particular part that's failed on your machine is going to be available. So, um, yeah. Okay, and good luck that, if you've got a job making washing machines and no one's sort of – and everyone's trying – I can just imagine them trying yes. to get the last ounce of, you know, all held together with gaffer tape and everything. They're also suggesting things like um, renting tools rather than buying them new. And You'll own rent- nothing and be happy. This th- I, this I thought was interesting. It says, rent my clothes, not buying new. Rent my clothes. Can I have my underwear back, please? <laughs> yeah, after I wash sure it. Yeah, well, I can't <laughs> wash it because the washing machine's broken yeah. and I can't find the appropriate ship to replace. Yeah, it turns out. Russia's using them for missiles now. Turns out your underwear was too small and I ripped them putting them on. <laughs> ripped a they, new one. They also say no fashion buying. No fashion. Boy, this is like some Puritan concept of living, right? Completely destroy your aspirations. Yeah, but how? Pfizer, aspirational. That's another thing that came out last week. So how do banks and these um, operations expect to make any money in the end if they're trying to shut down all the business? Well, you know what? I'm thinking the next um, step to this is when CBDCs kick in and then you won't be able to buy from companies who are not perceived to be um, well, those companies won't have playing banking. the climate game. Yeah, they won't be. They won't. They won't stay in business. No, this is an on ramp to that. Yep, it's one thing after another. Yep, incremental. Well, I'm going to avoid anyone who offers that, like the plague. Yep. But well, you know what will happen is you'll end up with no options. No. In fact, yeah. the only thing we need to do is say no, but it was quite clear being there that um, there uh, there was only one way to think about this. This wasn't a conversation. It was a here's what you need to be doing. Yeah. There, there isn't the um, are we doing the right thing by yeah. suggesting people do all this stuff? They've already um, assumed that they are. And the other thing is too – um, if you sit there talking about, uh, you know, all the uh, stop eating meat or have a meat-free day in the week, there's no evidence that uh, that meat has anything to do with global warming or climate change. Nothing. Yeah, but, the, but if you want to sell crickets and make people eat those, you, you want to get rid of the competition, right, and not have meat? Oh, dear. What a clown world. All right. Well, between uh, the Kiwi Bank's um, Young New Zealander of the Year and that, they won't be getting my business. I can tell you that. Yep. All right. That's a that's a chilly wind that's blowing. Okay. So just to turn the temperature down a bit more. What? Uh, better or worse? Well, uh, you make you said making it chilly. So it, yeah, I think um, I don't know. This is not a hell. Hell's going to freeze over reference. But um, yeah. Okay. Here's the next thing that um, I found fascinating. So there was a. Another presentation called the Smart Christchurch Program. Um, Sounds like smart cities. Well, it's coming your way soon too. So its purpose, and I'm quoting, to trial technology and approaches that accelerate Christchurch becoming a city of opportunity for all, a city where anything is possible. The vision is to promote Christchurch as an exemplar, open and connected city, showcasing oh, solutions that make the word life salad. better. I've got to stop you there. The word salad is <laughs> making me want to vomit. 
I hope you've got a bucket on standby because there's more to come. Oh, well, okay, let's hear the full, let's hear it at its full glory then. Carry on. So <clears throat> they're trying to go with um, having it people-centred, a city-wide collaboration with so it's not people-centred now? It's never been people-centred, even though people have been in it for hundreds of years or whatever? So it's not... Okay, it's not people-centred, right? I got it. Yeah, maybe that's an, um, a Freudian slip. Um, they're also going to do a thing called replication, so I guess they're going to make it say, well, this this city can now copy what we're doing. Ah, yeah, copy and paste. Yeah, um, a smarter and more efficient city and supporting local businesses. What do they mean, smarter? What, the IQ goes up? No, well, that's it, clearly not the case. I've come across people um, who feel that they are not shall we say, clever people. And I've always made the argument that there's different types of intelligence. There's yep. there's um, uh, an academic kind of intelligence where you, you know a lot of things about a particular topic. Yeah. And, of course, you've got street smart intelligence. You've, you've got um, critical thinking intelligence. There's so many. So yep. um, if anyone says I, I'm, I'm not clever, then... Um, I refute that claim. Um, they just don't clever in something. That everyone is always clever in something. They just yep. don't always see their own self value. Some of these other things, however, um, vision and principles. We've got open data, which is not a bad thing at all. Open platform, open city, aggregating and visualizing real time data. Ding! That should get your attention. Yep. Leveraging the collective genius around us and removing leveraging leveraging. Removing barriers to access and inspiring. What barriers to access are there? Well, uh, that's a good question. I'm not too sure. They're just making stuff up. Well, see, at, at the end of all, now this is. I mean, I, I know you've, we've all talked about 15 minute cities, um, but that term never came up in any of the talks that I saw. No, but, they don't. They know it's not uh, useful to them. Uh, but check this out. So at the end of this particular presentation done by the Christchurch City Council, I asked the question, and and I didn't verbalise it because you could ask your questions anonymously on a web page, so you could type your question in. You could put your name optionally, but clearly I did not. Uh, I asked, how do these technologies, out of all the things they showed us, integrate with 15-minute cities? There's always one. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and that's me. Yeah. And so the MC read out my question correctly. However, yeah. the presenter misinterpreted or misheard it. And he said, oh, is that question anti-15-minute cities? And then the MC looked at her tablet and go, no, there's no anti-15-minute city thing here. Something, one, didn't deny the existence of it and assumed the question was anti-15-minute cities when I wasn't anti-anything no, So he's already, whoever that person was, preloaded there with a guilty conscience knowing exactly what they were talking about. And when he answered the question, my brain was going in, was, um, in uh, key takeaway mode. So yeah. I'm listening to all these words like, what's the key answer, the yeah, key the words, salad, the key the phrase, salad. the salad, yeah. out of what he's saying. And my brain said, sorry, Ain't nothing there. <laughs> and that was what, a um, obfuscating tactic or there just wasn't? The reason I asked that because we've talked to people who've been in council meetings and the coastal, the CAP people, who you know, talking about the uh, managed retreat and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of it 
sort of fits in with you know the suspicion of 15 minute cities or these um or, or 15 minute i suppose you can you can lower the time frame five minute towns or whatever mm. or settlements and um it, there seems to be apart from the presenters and the facilitators there appears with the councillors and and the people's representatives a kind of stunning ignorance of what that is all about Yes, and I found the way he responded to my question extremely telling. Yeah. Okay, so this is all about all those highfalutin, you know, words, salady words. Basically, a long way of saying, we'll keep track of you in real time. There are some parts of the city that you won't be able to access like you normally thought you could, and um, that, I don't know, it's it, it's for the best. Yeah. There's, yeah. there, there was one thing I learned about which I didn't know um, existed, and that's a thing called smart poles. So immediately I'm thinking of people <laughs> who, who might be pole dancers. And I yeah. thought, or from or, Poland. Yeah, or from Poland. But no, a smart pole is a hollow pole, right? Yeah. So there's no, there's not necessarily a light on the top, but what you put inside <laughs> the pole is anything you like. So whether yeah. whether that is a Wi-Fi access point, a camera, or anything like that. It could any, be anything. Could be anything, and the whole point of it is to hide and obfuscate yeah. the technology you're deploying, so that it doesn't have, shall I say, visual pollution. No. Meanwhile, you've got your cardigan wearing, I don't know who, sitting in the control center, watching everybody do everything. And if anyone looks like they're going to do something that's not approved, there'll be what some electronic measure or antidote to uh, stop them doing that. Like bollards will go up, for example, or suddenly uh, (laughs) your money card doesn't work in a particular area. I don't know, something like that. Well, um, we'll start talking about LED lighting because I learned a lot about that. But what you just said reminded me of, of something which actually happened to a guy I know earlier this year. So, um, in Christchurch and probably other cities too, we have these bus lanes. So at certain times of the day, you're not allowed to drive in them, you're not allowed to park in them um, because buses have the right of way. Um, In Christchurch, there are five people who are full-time employed looking at all the, excuse me, looking at all the cameras across the city and about three quarters of controlled intersections have cameras on them. Right. Now, um, he parked his car in between two other vehicles in one of these bus lanes. So he was technically in, um, he, he'd parked during a time when theoretically he wasn't supposed to be. Uh-huh. He popped across the road to a cafe and then back to his car. It was He was out of his car for a total of 36 seconds. And he knows this because he asked for the footage. Right. Now, he's also been told that the people who monitor the cameras do not offer infringement notices. Nick Minute, he gets one in the mail. Oh, okay. So direct from the observation through the camera. Yes. So being out of the the car for 36 seconds was enough to get him a ticket. Which means they're looking and watching all the time. Yep. Handy to know, isn't it? So that's just an FYI. So yeah. getting on to LED lighting, um, I learned quite a lot about this. Um a lot of people will have noticed those little controllers at the very top of the streetlights um, around the around the country. 
Uh-huh. So they they operate at 923 megahertz. Now, technically, that is low band 5G. However, I don't think they are 5G. Instead, I think they are probably LoRa wireless. LoRa stands for long range. And I was told that um, there's no license required in order to use um, the controllers operating at 923 megahertz. So um, the NZTA offered a massive 80% rebate to all the councils in New Zealand to replace their existing lights with LED ones. Now, why would they want to do that? To encourage people to encourage uptake. Yeah, but, 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 okay, so is there, because of what I'm, I'm always suspicious, is that they're subsidizing that which is a spend of money that you don't need to make really because the other, and we're talking about the old light bulbs, right? Or the, yeah. the fluoros or whatever. Okay. They're already there. So, so they are subsidizing this. There must be more to it than just lighting up the place. It was to save money on lighting be, um, because uh, the payback the councils get is or the savings is, um, returned in about four to five years. Right. Um, so the idea was to put the LED lights in, but not necessarily do the controllers. That said, the 80% rebate not only covered the cost of the lights, but also the traffic management and all that work to do them. In Christchurch, there's 45,000 of these lights. In Auckland, 120,000. Wow. Um, at midnight, they dim the lights down to 50%, and they tend to have light sensors on the top. So on a cloudy day... Um, oh, I see. This is why they, they need all this sort of... They turn them on a bit sooner. Yeah, okay. So so th- there's that kind of thing. And uh, another interesting piece that I learned was that, um, now relating to smart meters, Vector Energy, now it's... I think they only operate in the South Island. I'm not too sure. But Vector Energy um, have cellular modules in their smart meters in people's homes. So that's how they, they know how much electricity you've used. EMF. Yep. And other electricity providers, and there'll be exceptions to this for people who live rurally, they don't use the um, cellular network to phone home with um, data. The modules in everyone else's homes who aren't supplied by Vector Energy, they connect to, to the controllers on the streetlights. Uh-huh, the LED controllers. Yes. So This is the, what I was talking about before. I was suspicious that they had another use. Oh, yes. So this is part of the smart, smart yeah. city IoT So under stuff. the guise of lighting, and they're prepared to subsidize it. Why would that be? Well, the other there's a whole bunch of uh, spy stuff that you can integrate with this. There's the good stuff, and then there's not. Yeah, and but that's the problem. That's the yeah, problem. exactly. It's always the problem. It's the weaponizable part. So, um, in Christchurch, there are ten master nodes. So, all these uh, controllers create a mesh network. So we are living underneath um, a canopy, and that was canopy was the word uh, they used. With the person I was speaking with, he dumped so much data on me, and I just absorbed the whole lot. Which so 
that was that was good. He was telling me all this stuff. Science but, communicators use analogies like that, visu- analogies that help people visualize things. So canopy. Okay, yes. yeah, we can. Well, that's nice. We're all under a canopy. So the other things they can do, and I've been trialing this for a while now, is they have smart rubbish bins. So the idea of these is that when the rubbish bins get close to full, they can phone home and say, I'm full, come and empty me, rather than have someone always going around rubbish bins and seeing if they're full or not. All right. And there's there's other things they do too. So like in the USA, they they have sound detectors which – uh, for detecting gunshots, oh, and, yeah. and depending on, I mean, they can triangulate and find quite out easily. where it was. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because the the different sensors will um, measure the sound of the gunshot with different intensity, so they can work out exactly where it is. Oh gosh, um, yeah. So it's pitched as uh, you know um, under the canopy, and we're all you know this is all wonderful. But actually, when you start to drill into it, hmm. And they also connect things like water meters. So if they want to charge for water, then the water meters can connect to the controllers on the um, streetlights and phone home with the data as well. The so thing is can... you can make very plausible arguments that you should have all that in the name of efficiency and maybe fairness. And, you know, I suppose if you were going around a, a rubbish or a refuge run in a city and only 20% of the the bins were full and you, you could have left the others for another week or so, yeah, I get that, but it has that other, it has all those other uses become available as well. It does. And there's questions around data autonomy governance, um, where it's stored, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I did ask a question or two around this, um, particularly with the council presentation, because I asked um, about privacy versus security and that question did not get answered, but Nothing sinister with that. It's just there wasn't enough time. Um, there never is. There never is. Um, so uh, that's what I learned about street lighting. And they can also attach other things like um, determining if car parks are empty or full. You have sensors f- um, for determining that. So you could potentially have an app to say, well, where's a free car park? Or should I say an empty car park? Who, who even cares about that? This is the stuff they're building. Uh, I mean, you know, I've, it's it's easy enough to find a car park, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. But you see, when we're getting around in autonomous cars, we won't need to worry about it because uh, the car will do it for you. Yeah, yeah. In fact, they probably won't allow you to do it. Potentially. Okay, well, that's really interesting. Anything else before we finish up with this week's Tech Tuesday, Stephen? Well, I'll, there's a lot more to cover, and I'll see if I can cram it in as quickly as possible. Sure. So we've got um, – it was a company that makes Sentinel, um, which deploys in buildings, which if there's an earthquake, it determines the um, how the building performed. So various places have a health and safety um, statement to say if there's a Category 5.0 Yep. Earthquake, do a health check, but you won't need to because this system will say, well, here's how the building performed. So if it's amber, yes, go check it out. If we'd had that technology back in February 2011, no one would have been allowed back in CTV. No, no, that's right. And the, and what happened, well, it would have happened, but no one would have been in there. Yes. Um, so what do they have, accelerometers and strain gauges and everything that are all wired up to um, get that data? 
No, they look a lot simpler than that. And there, there's 300 of these deployed around the city, council swimming pools, traffic light controllers, various buildings um, around. So if an event happens, then we can actually properly find out what's going on because there were situations where months after being allowed back into a building, by the time a structural engineer had time to come in and check it out, that's when they go, well, sorry, this building's not safe. I'm going to kick you all out now, even though you've been in it for seven months yeah. already. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so here, here's one that'll float your boat, Paul. Um, there was on display the Generation 5 whisk. Now, this is not something you can use to beat up egg whites. Mm-hmm. It's um, a what they had on display was the two-seater autonomous electrical aircraft with Ooh. vertical t- takeoff. Okay. Like a big drone. Like a massive drone. Um, they've got the Gen 6 already, but they had the F- Gen 5 on display. Um, so you have a range of about 144 kilometers with some re- um, reserves. Uh, it recharges in 15 minutes and she'll fly at a, about 120 knots at 4,000 feet. That's not bad. It has a 40 meter wingspan. So this was built 40 G- meter? 14. Oh, sorry, 14. Yep. Okay. So this is designed for small trips like between Christchurch and Akaroa, maybe Wellington and Capiti Coast, something like that. Yep. Um, I don't think and, you try across the strait. Um, they are looking at having these on the market by 2030. So I'd say by then maybe you could. Huh. Um, I've always wondered with those machines what happens if because you've got multiple electric engines, right, with props on them. Is that how it's working? Yes. Yeah, so the Gen 5 they had on display, they had a rear propeller pushing it forward, but they had 12 smaller ones for the vertical takeoff part. So the Gen 6 has fewer propellers, but they're bigger. Right. So as the vertical takeoff finishes, they um, change orientation so the aircraft can go forward. Okay. So like a tilt, not yes. like a, t- a tilt rotor. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so what happens though if anything craps out, it's especially in the vertical mode? But it does have a built-in parachute. And, oh, like a safety chute. Okay. Yeah. So, and it still has um, human oversight. The Gen Six is a, is a four-seater. Um, the five they had there was a two, but you know, being an aircraft, it still shows up on radars. So it's not like it's a private vehicle. Um, yeah. Like, what's this? <laughs> it's basically a uh, glorified taxi. So when everyone saw the movie Back to the Future, and they go, right, twenty fifteen, we're having our flying cars. And 2015 comes and goes, and it didn't happen. Not too far after that, though, really, when you think about it. No. Okay. okay. Now, I think also you um, had a – what was the story that you mentioned? Well, at the start, I think that was – was that the earthquake, the wired-up um, um, story that you're talking about, the green sticker yes. versus red sticker? Yeah, that's the one. What's so, that there, one? so there's a company called GCNZ, and – Anyone in Christchurch knows that um, the whole lot of land we weren't allowed to rebuild upon because it was red zoned. So a couple of guys, Rob Brightwell and David Dew, who are very well qualified mechanical engineers, senior uh, engineering geologists and senior civil engineers. um, When they were told, you know, we can't build on this red zone land because we don't have the technology. So they basically said, hold my beer. And they they invented the technology, which allows now to reclaim red zone land by taking materials that you'd otherwise have thrown away and construct um, a layer that goes on top of liquefaction layer 
that can be reused. So they estimate this is a one to two trillion dollar market internationally. Trillion. Trillion. So they've done all the work, they've computer modeled it, they've built physical models, they've um, got international interest, and they plan to actively sell this November this year. And I thought this is brilliant Kiwi ingenuity. And I thought this was this was awesome. This this was a couple of guys who had a niche to scratch and were told it can't be done. So they said, yep, we'll see about that. Okay. Um, did I miss something or is there a way? What What is the technology? How does it, how does it sort of magically transform red stick it into usable? Well, it will require a bit of um, digging up of the land in order to get the um, compound. Um, oh, I got you. Yeah. And, and, and put that in and then you can put, land back on top and then build again all right well that is a wizard the people who red sticker that land because they want to probably sell it off later to someone (laughs) um and i'm not going to like that well i i think this is something that'll end up you know i'm hoping it'll prove itself over time because um this is i thought that was really really cool yeah yeah because at first uh thought you'd you'd probably think well that land is that's it. It's gone. You you couldn't sort of think of anything else. And then these guys have come along and hey, <laughs> again. Watch, watch this. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a really interesting chat. Thank you for that. Have we got everything for this week? I, I think we've got everything for this week. Okay. All right. I'll be looking out for the LED or the smart poles and the yes. pinhole camera. You know, pinholes. Mm. Yeah. No doubt we'll be in it. All right, until next Tuesday, Stephen Sykes, Tech Tuesday. Thanks, Steve. We'll talk again in a week. Catch you later. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.